Welcome back, friends. Bill Creasy here with Scripture Uncovered. You recall that we left off with Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke in Philippi, where they met Lydia and her friends, who become Paul's first converts on the continent of Europe. And it's just the beginning. From Philippi, Paul and company leave and they head west toward Thessalonica or Thessaloniki of today. And we put it in at Acts chapter 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. Thessalonica was in Paul's day and is still in our day the second largest city in Greece after Athens. So a big urban center. And, of course, there was a synagogue. Now, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, Gentiles, and not a few prominent women, like Lydia in Philippi. So for three Sabbath days, now the Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday evening, and it ends at sundown on Saturday evening. So Paul went on three Sabbath days. Paul spent three weeks in Thessalonica. But the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters in the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Isn't that so like Paul? Every place he goes, he starts in the synagogue, he gets thrown out of the synagogue, he gets beaten up, thrown in jail, and run out of town. And half the time, there's a riot in the city. Oh, my goodness. It happens again. So... The Jews from the synagogue, well, they, they, were, they were jealous. Why? Because Paul's getting converts? No, they were greatly offended by his message. And there were Gentiles being brought in along with Jews. Now, we had this problem back at the Council of Jerusalem. Even within the church itself, there were those Jewish believers who were incensed that Gentiles need not observe the Mosaic law. So we can see how people would be upset here in Thessalonica. So they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in, or, in, in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. They were going to drag them out of Jason's house, beat them in front of the whole crowd. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. These We have heard about these men all throughout Asia Minor, one place after another, riots, trouble, and now they're in our backyard and we don't want them here. They're defying Caesar's decrees, saying there's another king, one called Jesus. Now, that's the issue, isn't it? It's not 
that they're professing a Jew who claimed to be the Messiah. That's not a big deal. There were many people who claimed to be the Messiah in Judaism. We read about several of them in Acts. We have them mentioned. All right, you claim to be the Messiah? Let's debate it. But no, they are claiming that Jesus is another king. That's treason. And in the end, that's what got Jesus crucified in Jerusalem. Remember when he enters Jerusalem, Palm Sunday? And they're shaking palm branches, a symbol of victory. Palm branches look like swords, symbolic swords, symbol of victory. And they're proclaiming him king. That's what started all the trouble in Jerusalem. And now here we are in a major city in Macedonia, a major urban center. And this whole thing could ignite when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into a turmoil. And they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Now, where is Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke? As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Berea is about 40, about an hour's drive from Thessalonica west. Berea, or Verea today, V-E-R-E-A, a charming little town. They go to Berea, and on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So after the trouble started in Thessalonica, Paul and company hide out, and in the middle of the night, they make their escape and go on to Berea. Now, arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. There were Jews in Berea. Now, the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Why would that be? For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. I like that. They were more noble than the Thessalonians because they listened attentively to what Paul had to say. And then they checked the scriptures to see if it was true. You know, we should do the very same thing today. There are any number of preachers out there who will say any manner of nonsense. People who get a following and take people down an entirely wrong path. Listen to what they say. And how do you know if it's true? It doesn't have to be in the scriptures, but if it's consistent with the scriptures, then you're on solid ground. If it contradicts the scriptures or undermines the scriptures, well, red flag should fly on that play. So the Bereans, more noble than the Thessalonians, and many of the Jews believed as did also a number of prominent Greek women and a lot of Greek men. Now, when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, only an hour's drive down the road, they went there too, agitating the crowd, stirring them up. Well, the brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed behind at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible.
So they get Paul out of town. <laughs> they got him out of Thessalonica in the middle of the night. Now they get him out of Berea and head toward Athens, south to Athens. Athens. Oh, what can we say about Athens? A marvelous place. We visit Athens quite often. And I, I love Greece and Athens in particular. You know, we stay at a little hotel right at the foot of the Acropolis. The Plaka is the marketplace with all the restaurants and the nightlife. And uh, I, I just love going there. Our, our, our flight lands in Athens. We make our way to the hotel, get there around dinner time. And, and I tell all our folks traveling with us, let's skip dinner in the hotel and walk up to the Plaka. It's about a 15 minute walk and you will find great restaurants and nightlife. And oh, it, it's a wonderful place to go. So Paul gets to Athens. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, pause a moment here. Paul, Saul of Tarsus, is a very well-educated person. He is a Jew, but he's also a sophisticated person. We've been studying all of St. Paul's epistles and letters in our online featured course since last July. And we're on Romans right now. We're ending with Romans. Paul is a master rhetorician. Paul had the best education, one of the best educations you could possibly get in his day. He's a sophisticated person. He's a person who likes big cities. And big cities in the Roman world had any number of other religions. I mentioned that Rome, the Roman Empire, had you had rights under Roman law if you were a citizen. One of those rights was the freedom of religion. You could worship any god you wanted to worship. The Romans worshiped their gods. The Greeks worshiped their gods. The Egyptians worshiped their gods. The Jews were free to worship their God in Jerusalem at the temple, as long as it didn't create civil unrest, and that was true for any other religion. So it was a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-religious society. So Paul's not some Jewish innocent walking into Athens being horrified, but he's puzzled. All these different gods, huh? And he took a tour of the city and he saw a number of the temples. He saw the images, the statues, and so on. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Now, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. So Paul is at Mars Hill, which is at the foot of the Acropolis. And it was a place people went for public debate. Debate was a popular thing in Paul's day. Trained rhetoricians who could really make an argument and do it in an entertaining way. So a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were there and they began to debate with Paul. This is not a negative thing. This is what you do there. So 
some said, what's this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, well, he seems to be advocating some foreign gods. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. What's this babbler trying to say? The, the, the Greek word is seed picker. It, it, it's like a chicken pecking at seeds on the ground. I can just see Paul gesturing with his head bobbing up and down. What's this seed picker trying to say? So they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting? The Areopagus. The Areopagus, I think of the Areopagus as the faculty club of Athens. They said, you're bringing strange ideas to our ears and we want to know all about them. Parenthetically, writes Luke in Acts chapter 17, verse 21. Parenthetically, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. You know, I was on the faculty at UCLA for 28 years. I had lunch at the faculty club pretty much every day. And uh, this is, the Areopagus is the faculty club, where you sit and talk about all the latest ideas uh, for a good part of the day. Lunch can take, what, 20 minutes? You'll spend an hour and a half at lunch, talking to your friends and colleagues about this and that, and debating uh, the events of the day. And that's what the Areopagus seems to me uh, to be. So Paul was invited to speak at the Areopagus. He stood up at the meeting and he said, men of Athens, now notice Paul did not prepare this. It's purely ad hoc. He's invited to stand up and speak. So here he goes. Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, beautiful, beautiful temples and, and statues, and, and I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So Paul had taken a tour of the temples. He had noted the various statues of the various gods, and he noted one inscribed to an unknown God. Paul cataloged that in his mind. He said, I, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. So what a great hook. When Paul took that tour of Athens, he wasn't distressed. Oh, this is terrible, all these gods. No, he was really interested. He even took note. I'm going to proclaim to you this unknown God. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Well, no educated Greek in Athens at this time would have thought that one of the Greek gods lives in that temple. No, that's where you worshiped the gods. This God I'm telling you about, 
He doesn't need anything from humans. He's the one who gives life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made every nation and men so that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Now, God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. Now, all of this to a Greek philosopher would make sense. All of this would be really interesting. Paul's going down a, a pretty good path here. And then he says, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now, I, I noted Paul's education. He had one of the best educations that you could get in the Roman Empire of his day. And Paul had not planned this talk at the Areopagus. But Paul quotes from memory Epimenides, a 6th century BC poet from Crete. Who can do that? It would be like you talking to a friend who quotes from memory a, oh, I don't know, a 14th century French Provençal poet in French. That requires a superb education. And Paul then moves to a conclusion. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. Jews did not have images in their synagogues. Well, for the most part, some did. But for the most part, Jews didn't have images of people or animals in their synagogues. But uh, we should not think that God is like a gold or silver or stone image made by man's design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, actually winked at such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. Oh, he's doing fine until this point. But raising him from the dead. Well, when he said that, they all cast their eyes to the heavens and thought, we're dealing with a loony. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, others said, you know, we'd like to hear more about this maybe later on. Go, go away. And at that, Paul left the council. Paul was politely removed from the Areopagus. He was doing so well until he came to the resurrection. Well, a few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them, among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus. He was on the, on the faculty. <laughs> and also a woman named Damaris and a number of others. Dionysius, the main Roman Catholic church in Athens. Athens, Greece, the main 
Christian denomination is Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, but uh, the main Roman Catholic Church in Athens is the Church of St. Dionysius, named after this person. We've been to Mass there many a time. So Paul is put out of the Areopagus and told to go away. He had a few converts, but not very much. So Paul continued his journey and he went to Corinth. Okay, thank you for being with me again today. Blessings to you. Remember, we're in Holy Week, so keep reading your Gospels from the Palm Sunday, Sunday entrance all the way through the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Day by day, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's your assignment. Bye-bye now.